happen, the fun, the creativity. I mean, the, the, the little boys and girls learning about God's amazing wonders that he's created. It was so fun to be a part. And we had like 222 the first night and almost 250 the last night. So such a great, great effort by this body. And I think God was really glorified. And that childlike faith and excitement, it's contagious. And, and, and I love it. And so, yeah, one of our kids is sick at home. You know, sometimes you have all-American dad moments. And this is one for me. Thursday and Friday, our youngest son, Owen, was battling fever and sore throat. But, you know, he had a seven-on-seven tournament Friday night, and he's the quarterback, so he had to be there. And so it didn't matter how he felt. He needed to toughen up for his team. And so we kind of made him do that, and he did that. And so... Uh, and then this morning I get a text from my wife, yeah, Owen has strep throat, so, you know. <clears throat> but Friday night, after the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament on the way home, instead of just letting them have a half-price shake after 8 at Sonic, I let them get a Sonic Blast, so <laughs> it all balances out. Some of you may be aware of this story, but I love this story. This little boy with his ball, with his bat, and his baseball hat goes out in the middle of his backyard and he's holding the ball, and he has the bat, and he goes, I am the greatest hitter in the world. So he throws the ball up, takes a swing, strike one. Undeterred, picks the ball up, holds the bat again, and says again, I'm the greatest hitter in the world. Throws the ball up, swings, strike two. All right, so this time... Spits in his hands, <laughs> grabs the bat, gets the ball, picks it up again, and says, I am the greatest hitter in the world. Throws it up, swings, strike three. Looks down, and then he looks up and he goes, wow, I am the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> I love that story. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but the point is our attitude. Our attitude determines how circumstances impact your life. Circumstances. How do they impact your life? The, the little boy's circumstances hadn't changed, but his optimistic attitude really prompted him to, to give an encouraging meaning to what had happened. His positive attitude kind of predetermined how he was going to respond to the circumstance at hand. And, you know, we started this series in Philippians. Philippians is a great letter. If you haven't read it recently, read it. It's so good. And this, this title, Overflowing Joy, Overflowing Joy, how literally we can have it in any circumstance, even though it's not easy. But there's three themes as we look at Philippians 1, 12 through 18 that really were highlighted and, and, and stuck out to me as I was reading this, as I was studying this, as I was thinking about presenting something to you meaningful this morning. There's three things that really stuck out. And the first one is this. When you read these scriptures, which we will again here in just a little bit, the first one is the Apostle Paul mastered. He mastered a godly perspective in any circumstance. And you guys know when you live life long enough, good things and bad things are going to happen. Things happen that just aren't fair, doesn't seem right. We're even going to suffer consequences for bad decisions we made in the past. Sometimes we're going to suffer from things that we have nothing to do with. It's completely intrusive by the enemy. And Paul, a man who, you know, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten. People are constantly slandering him, especially for this message of grace to the Gentiles. 
but Paul mastered a godly perspective in any circumstance that came his way. And when I read that again and read this again, I was blown away, challenged, challenged, and inspired. And so as, as we read these verses again, I want you to think in the back of your mind, godly perspective. Look up on the screen if you don't have your Bible in front of you. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, godly perspective. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Godly perspective. And it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? Godly perspective. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. That's got to move you a little bit when you read that. And when you think about this godly perspective that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul operated in. The Apostle Paul. And it just amazes me every time I read that. See, Paul doesn't ignore or dodge the circumstances that he's in. I mean, he plainly states he's in chains in prison. And there's other believers out there who out of their selfish ambition and envy want to cause Paul additional distress while he's in prison. And so when I think about the Apostle Paul and how he operated in this godly perspective, one of the things you realize as you read through Scripture, you know, you read through his epistles, the Apostle Paul was extremely intentional about this godly perspective. And in fact, in his mind, it was something you had to fight for. It was something that you had to battle for because Paul recognized we are in a spiritual battle. And if you read from 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5, he says, The weapons we fight with, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they had divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So why don't you think about the Apostle Paul with this godly perspective. He talked about the power that we had to demolish strongholds. And there are strongholds of thinkings that we as new creations in Christ can give into. Whether it's a spirit of negativity, fear, greed, jealousy, anger. There's different strongholds of thinking that if we don't watch it, the enemy can take a part of our thinking, our lifestyle. It doesn't mean that we're not in Christ anymore. But I think Paul makes it very clear if you want to flow in a godly perspective, you're going to have to battle for it. You're going to have to be intentional about it. And you're really going to have to think about the thoughts that you have that go through your mind each and every day. And Paul right here establishes the fact that he can't afford to have a thought in his mind that is not from the Lord. And he's going to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Anything that goes against the knowledge of the God and the Word of God, as he says, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul was extremely intentional on this. 
It's not an accident that while he's in chains, he can have a godly perspective and be praising God for all the things he's doing, especially in this case, advancing the gospel. You look at Philippians 4.8, jumping ahead a little bit, but I got permission from Josh to do this. But look at this verse. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, think about such things. We have a choice as a believer in Christ what we dwell upon. I think this is extremely important because you guys know there's a lot of negative things in this world. There's negative things that happen. And we have so many thoughts that go through our mind daily. But we do have a choice on what we dwell upon, what we think about. Jesus even said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. And see the peace that comes from that. But I love this by Paul again. He's so intentional. What does he, cho- what does he choose to rehearse in his mind? What does he choose to dwell upon? Does he rehearse the wins? Does he rehearse the victories? Does he become a victim? Does he become entitled? We choose what we think about. And and again, I think this is such a powerful verse. And how can Paul flow in a godly perspective? He was so, so intentional. Paul is not overcome by the circumstances at hand. And Paul does not dwell on the negative circumstances. Instead... He's overwhelming them, he's overcoming them by focusing on what God was doing in the midst of them. And in this case, the gospel is being spread. Circumstances, whether bad or good, when joined with a godly perspective, can result in rejoicing. I mean, think about him. He's rejoicing while he's in chains in prison because of what God is doing because of the circumstances. And and then I thought about this too. The opposite is also true. Good circumstances when joined to odd gut, when, let me read that again. Good circumstances when joined to an ungodly perspective can result in a host of negative attitudes and actions as well. I'm not here to say this morning that some of the suffering you guys are going through, rejoice. I mean, that sounds biblical and, and it's true to a certain degree, but also know that's not easy. Some of you are going through some really, really hard things as you come in this morning. But the Apostle Paul writes that suffering produces perseverance. Doesn't mean we would choose a suffering. Doesn't mean that God is the author of the suffering that you're going through. We very well might be the enemy. But we do know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us. Again, as I was reading this, so challenged how Paul could look at everything through a godly perspective and what he chose to focus on. Something else that kind of stuck out to me in Philippians 1, 12 through 18 is the Apostle Paul was completely sold out for Christ. As he wrote, And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Love that. Almost two weeks ago, we were on a float trip, family float trip on Big Sugar Creek that flows into the Elk River, and not on the weekend. You avoid the weekends, but we were having this great float trip, and it was, it was fun, and most of my boys really like catching turtles, and so at this point in the trip, they caught map turtles, uh, 
scooters, red ear, all these, they, they know all the names. They're trying to catch the big soft shells and all this. And um, we're in a really deep part of the river. It's so deep that it's crystal. I mean, it's blue. It's, it's really beautiful, but it, you can tell it's really deep. And I'm watching Andrew, who sees everything, and, and he's on his kayak. And all of a sudden, he just, he literally just hops out to the side and grabs on to the, to the bank because he's on the rock side where it's just steep <laughs> and holds himself up, pulls himself up, and then he sticks his hand in the water and he's going like this and then <laughs> pulls out, and I'm not exaggerating, a 20-pound snapper by the tail. Now, he's caught snappers before and all that kind of stuff, but we're sitting there in our kayaks watching, and I'm right next to Easton, and Easton goes, I'm not going to lie, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And I'm sitting there in shock, and I go, yeah, but Andrew, put it down, and don't do it again. <laughs> you know, because the thing was not happy. He knows how to do it. Kids, don't try that. But why would he do that? And, and <laughs> he had no fear. He's done it before, and I realize there's a healthy fear, parents. I recognize that. Um, but he had no fear. He wasn't concerned about it. And by the way, that no fear he has can help you on your property if you have snakes, too. He's not afraid of them either. But, but I thought about, you know, how he wrote. He didn't care what was going on because all these people become confident in the Lord and, and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And how often fear gets in the way of us so many times from being adventurous, of course, but also taking risks for the Lord. And, and that's not the spirit God has given us and how Paul is so excited in prison, in chains, that his brothers and sisters are being bold. They're proclaiming the gospel without fear. And that kind of fired me up, I have to admit, when I read that. And I get a little bit excited. I'm, I'm kind of the passionate type. I don't want to apologize for that either. But man, I want to proclaim the gospel without fear. This is something to be excited about. And, and as I read this, I kind of got caught in the story and just the power of the Spirit, how it was moving. And, so, and we can even mask fear as humility and wisdom at times. But they proclaimed the gospel boldly, without fear. And I love that story that challenges me, that inspires me. Paul wrote, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. Christ is preached. See, Paul's confidence laid in the message, not the messengers. His confidence laid in, in the message because the Word of God is powerful, it's living, it's active, it does not return void. It's God-breathed, it's Holy Spirit-inspired, and he believed in the message. He was completely sold out. I want to be sold out for Jesus Christ. I don't want to just be a fan. You know, and root for him a couple times a week when we get together. Like, I want to be sold out. I want this to be my lifestyle. I want this to be every day, everything I do. And I recognize Paul had this godly perspective because, man, he was completely, completely sold out for Christ. And I love being around people who are sold out for Jesus Christ. The third theme that I saw in Philippians 1, 12 through 18 is that the Apostle Paul had complete trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Complete trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's plans, God's purposes for him, complete trust in it. He wrote that the former preached Christ out of selfish ambition, 
not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. You know of anybody who likes to stir things up? I mean, I know this never happens with Christians in the church, right? People like to stir things up sometimes. You know, because all of us are going to mess up. At some point, people are going to talk about you. But think about this. Most of our thoughts and our conversations are stirring something up. Why don't you think about that? There's something being stirred up. It can be negative, it can be positive. But most of our thoughts and conversations, we're stirring things up. But what are we stirring up? On that same floating trip, right at the end of it, we had an unfortunate accident injury happened to one of our kids and injured his knee pretty bad. And uh, it was tough. But, you know, the next day, we're driving to see my parents. We haven't gotten MRI yet. We don't know the extent of the damage. And, uh, but the show must go on. It's vacation week. Got to see mom and dad. But we're on our way there, and Marcy, in a good way, says, hey, guys, what have you been reading in the Bible lately? What, what has God been showing you? What has God been doing? It had been a tough couple of weeks in our family. And it was a good question. And so they're starting to share things that they've been reading. My dad got everybody's daily Bible. One's talking about Hezekiah, you know, and all the good things he did. And the other one's talking about David, King David, and how much he trusted God. And I'm just listening, you know. And as the conversation goes on, my heart's starting to get encouraged a little bit more. And then one of the boys says, you know, our time on earth compared to our time with God in eternity is so short, we might as well trust God in our short time on earth. And, man, I just, I, I just, I felt in my spirit saying, stirring things up. That's the word that went through my mind. And they were stirring things up. And so then we started talking about what had happened, and then we could look at what had happened through a godly perspective before being a victim or complaining or a spirit of entitlement can set in. We can look at it through a godly perspective. And then after the MRI, we go see the orthopedic surgeon, and we get the news that we were hoping we wouldn't hear. It was the worst kind of tear you could have in your meniscus, whatever, long recovery time. And so we get in the car, instead of talking about it, um, my son, you know, he's playing his favorite songs from the Spotify of worship songs, so I purposely don't talk, and we just start singing to all the worship songs for a while. That's just what we do. Sing for a while, then when he's ready to talk, we'll talk, and he comes up and talks. At that point, again, while we're just singing and worshiping God, things have been getting stirred up, and we looked at it from a godly perspective and started talking about all the good things. All, it's, it's just an injury. It's going to be fixed, you know? Might as well keep trusting in God. It's okay. He's got this. We've seen him do so many wonderful things. How can we not believe in him? And we looked at it from a godly perspective because we had been stirring things up and it just hit me again. What do we stir up when we talk to each other? What are we stirring up in our minds when we think about things? Are we folks on whatever is you know, pure, excellent, lovely, praiseworthy? What are we stirring up? Because we've got to stir up good things with each other. We've got to share what God's doing in our lives. We've got to share the testimony of how God is moving. The more we stir things up in a good way, the more we focus our mind on, on Jesus Christ and his word, the more we're going to stir things up that really encourage us spiritually and benefit those who listen, if you look at Ephesians 4.29. Stir things up. Stir things up in a good way. 
I mean, Paul was always stirring things up in a good way. And it didn't matter that other people were stirring things up in a negative way. And I love that about him. Complete trust. It didn't matter to him what people were saying. He trusted the gospel of Jesus Christ. God had commissioned him, called him to do something. He was going to do it. He didn't care what other people thought. And that totally challenges and inspires me. So, the Apostle Paul mastered a godly perspective in any circumstance. He was completely sold out for Christ, and he had complete trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. No circumstance could shake the foundation of his position in Christ as an overcomer. Whew, man, awesome. That is awesome. So, Matthew 28, 20 says that Jesus is always with us. And God does work all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. And those are not Christian cliches. But those are biblical truths that allow us to rejoice in what God is doing regardless of any circumstance we might be in. So, the next time things get tough for you, in the midst of it, as challenged as it may be, start looking to see how God might be glorifying himself in the midst of what you're going through, as well as what he is doing in you personally to make you more like Jesus Christ. And I guess that's why Paul could confidently write, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Whatever the circumstance is, God's already won. So we, we get to look at things through godly perspective. It's challenging it may be. It doesn't mean we're ignoring it, but we have to look at things through godly perspective. We have to be very intentional with that. And what are we stirring up in our own mind? What are we stirring up in conversations with each other? Let's be completely sold out for Christ. Let's have complete trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're here for a short time anyway. There's a lot of not yet believers out there who need to hear the message of Jesus Christ and they need to see it in the way that we live, the way that we love each other. Let's boldly proclaim it without fear and just see what God does. Maybe you need prayers this morning. Maybe you're in a really tough circumstance and you need somebody with some love and wisdom who can go right there with you and hopefully share some encouraging thoughts that maybe can give you more of a godly perspective. Maybe you want to be sold out for Jesus. Maybe you're ready to take Jesus Christ on in baptism and make him Lord and Savior of your life. Whatever you need, we will have some elders in the back. Or you can come forward while we stand and while we sing.